if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Let's get rocking and rolling. It's 9 o'clock. Actually, it's nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. Beg your pardon. On a Monday, the 31st and final morning of the month of October in the year of our Lord 2022, eight days away from either saving, rescuing, and restoring this great republic or surrendering it to socialists and Marxists forever. The stakes are that high. It's not a, that's not an exaggeration. That's not an overstatement. I'm going to continue to remind you of that each and every day through November 8th. Maybe you've already voted. I did. My wife and I went to our local board of elections on Saturday, cast our ballots, did exactly what needs to be done and what every single person needs to do. If you don't want to wait in a huge line on November 8th, go get it done. It's very easy to do. Took a little picture there out front, uh, held up my little Republican slate card and told everybody, this is exactly what has to happen. If you believe in this country, even if you don't believe in all of the names on the slate card, what you should believe in and what you must know is that if you leave the spot open for the other side on your ballot uh, and they take majorities in any measurable or meaningful way, our country will never recover. It's just literally that simple. I don't care who your congressional candidate is. I don't care who your Senate candidate is. I don't care who your state House uh, candidates are. Um, Doesn't matter. You have to keep the Democrats out of power and out of majorities anywhere and everywhere. It is that important. We're literally talking about the survival of this country. So that's where we open today. We have so much to get into. We are loaded for bear, as you can imagine, in a campaign season. 
particularly now heading into the last week, you can expect that we're going to be loaded up, and indeed we are. So let me give you a little rundown. Coming up in half an hour, we're going to talk about the midterms with Congressman Jim Jordan, as we do. Uh, each and every Monday, and Congressman Jordan has a lot uh, uh, to offer, not only about the midterms, but we're going to talk to him about the impact, the political impact, of the Elon Musk takeover. The Elon Musk takeover, that's going to be a big deal. Uh, uh, in fact, it already is. I rejoined Twitter myself. I'll tell you more about that. I rejoined Twitter myself. I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, I started up on in, in, in a Friday night, I think it was, and by Saturday midday, I had 5,000 followers. Uh, I'm going to have to rebuild the 40,000 or so that I had before I quit Twitter about four years ago, three and a half, four years ago. Uh, but I'm back now because I believe in free speech, and I believe the opportunity is going to be given to us uh, to use our speech. And uh, we're not going to have to worry about being censored or canceled or shadow banned or anything else with Elon, Elon Musk taking over. We have more on that story coming up. And again, Jim Jordan will talk about the political impact of that as well. We're going to talk with Steve Cortez about the midterms coming up at 10.05 or 10.10-ish uh, this morning as well. Jolene Austin is a candidate for the Ohio State House. Uh, she's from Parma, and she's got an uphill battle because Parma, right? Parma, that's why. It's a, it's a very tough place for Republicans to run, but she's a very, very strong candidate. I like her platform. She's fighting very, very hard. We're going to talk to her. And at 11.05, we're going to address something we haven't addressed with her since the overturn of Roe, since the Dobbs decision in the United States Supreme Court. Molly Smith will join us. Molly, of course, is the president of the Cleveland Right to Life, and uh, she's fighting very, very hard to you know protect uh, the new decision and to protect pregnancy centers and to protect women and protect unborn or pre-born children against all of the attacks of the American left. And uh, so we're going to talk to Molly Smith. So Jim Jordan, Steve Cortez, Jolene Austin, and Molly Smith are our guests. We will, of course, welcome you as well, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers is just fine by me. Now, before we get started with the news of the day, I'm going to ask you, as you always do, patriots, to rise and face your flag wherever you may have one. If you're driving and you don't have a flag, <clears throat> that's okay. Put your hand on your heart and imagine one. If you are a believer in the Democrat policies that are about to be completely overwhelmed by a tsunami in eight days, if you are a believer in huge government, if you're a believer in eliminating fossil fuels, if you are a believer in unchecked immigration, if you are a believer in surrendering American sovereignty, if you're a believer in anything on the Democrat platform, then that flag means nothing to you. You don't even recognize that it represents a republic and not a democracy, even though that word is in the pledge we are about to say. So for those individuals, you may be consider yourself exempted from the request to stand and pledge your allegiance. You may instead take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. As for the rest of us... I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay, 914. So we're going to dive right into this. And I'm going to start with the most bizarre story that I've seen in a very, very long time. I'm going to start with the highly publicized by this point, um, quote, unquote, and I'm going to use that very loosely, home invasion 
of the Pelosi mansion in San Francisco. I use the uh, very loose quotes uh, for home invasion because, as you probably have known by now, and if you haven't been following, I'll try to catch up. Um, the husband of Nancy Pelosi, Paul Pelosi, the guy that was involved in a very high-speed and very dangerous DUI crash uh, for which he was cited just a few months ago uh, with another man who was there and who was allowed to drive away without being questioned by the sheriff who just stood and watched, um, essentially clearing Paul Pelosi of maybe any embarrassing behavior in addition to the DUI itself. There's a theme there. That's the reason I brought that up. Paul Pelosi had himself another run-in with the law here, and in this case, he was the victim of a hammer attack, the story goes. Um, The official story from the police thus far, at least pre-video surveillance, which I hope there is some video surveillance that isn't being destroyed and smashed and bleach-bit even as we speak, but pre-video surveillance being released... The official narrative is a wackadoodle, right-wing, MAGA, Trump-loving Pelosi hater somehow managed to evade security, security personnel, security cameras, um, and whatever other protections that a multi-million dollar mansion in San Francisco would probably require for a Speaker of the House who is constantly complaining about the death threats that she and her family get, one would assume they have more than just an ADT sign in the front yard, right? One would assume they've got some pretty high-tech and pretty elaborate security, but this lone conspiracy-loving right-wing nut job somehow evaded all of that and broke into the Pelosi home while Paul was there by himself. And somehow, that guy ended up in his underwear inside the Pelosi home, with Paul Pelosi also in his underwear. And after a 911 call made by Paul Pelosi, in which he told the dispatcher that the guy's name was David and that he's a friend, but he doesn't know who he is, in that confusing messaging, the police show up at the door They do not break the door in. They are allowed in. Somebody opened the door from the inside, and when they got in there, they saw Paul Pelosi in his underwear, and this David character, this apparently right-wing nut job, David DePape, or is it DePoppy? I don't know if he was Paul Pelosi's poppy or not, but he was David DePape, I guess we'll go with. The two of them in their underwear were both struggling over a hammer. And when the police got there, Paul Pelosi stopped his end of the struggle. Apparently, Mr. DePape didn't and took the hammer and whacked Pelosi over the head with it, fracturing his skull and sending him to the hospital for what was almost immediately determined to be a surgery from which he would fully recover. Now... The other part of the story that the left wants you to know, according to the official tale, use that word too, is that when he came into the home, he began shouting, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? 
The indication, of course, being, or the belief being, that he was there to attack her. That, of course, is what a right, right, right-wing nut job would do, is, is go into a home, evade all security, break a window to get in. There was a broken window, by the way, there was, in the house. But all of the broken glass was on the outside of the house, which would indicate that the glass was broken from within, not from without, to get in. So how he got inside is still a mystery. And the fact that he went in there yelling, where's Nancy, but somehow decided to take off his pants during the events, and that's what the police found when they got there. All of this bizarre, strange, inexplicable, nonsensible um, details, all of the details in this are just completely... um, ambiguous and and really unable to be comprehended by virtually anybody at this point in time. But it's enough for Joe Biden, the President of the United States, Captain Unifier, to declare that Republican rhetoric led to this attack. Republican rhetoric. These Trump ultra-maga sorts who who have been demonizing Nancy Pelosi for years. Finally, somebody said, yeah, I'm going to get her. And it just happened to be a virtually homeless guy with ties to a nudist colony and a very f- strange, far-left-looking flop house, which was reportedly his residence sometimes, which featured rainbow gay pride flags, pictures of cannabis leaves, and Black Lives Matter signs on the outside of the shack. Er, apartment. Er, flop house. That's the right-wing conspiracy theorist who said, I'm going to go get her. As such, now not only are Republicans supposed to be apologizing for this attack on Nancy Pelosi, not only are Republicans supposed to feel the guilt for this because of rhetoric, never mind the fact, of course, that the Democrats, not only have they not felt guilt for their own rhetoric, that led to the attempted murder of a Supreme Court Justice, Brett Kavanaugh. Not only have they not felt the guilt nor apologized for their own rhetoric, which may have led the 41-year-old in North Dakota to run down an 18-year-old because he's a Republican, now facing murder charges, Never mind that they haven't apologized for any of that. Republicans are supposed to feel great shame and be flailing on the ground right now in tears of sadness and guilt because the husband of Nancy Pelosi got hammered. I hit with a hammer by some guy in his underwear. Not only that, now calls from the left, uh, the American left in media and in uh, uh, the uh, DNC are for Republicans to stop talking about Nancy Pelosi altogether. Eight days away from the midterm elections in which Nancy Pelosi is going to lose her gavel, she's going to lose that little wooden hammer, and it's going to be lost to Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans. We're not supposed to criticize or condemn her anymore. We're not supposed to condemn people like Tim Ryan for voting with Pelosi 100% of the time. We're not supposed to condemn all of the leftists that pledge their fealty to her and Chuck Schumer 
and Joe Biden and bigger picture Barack Obama don't talk about Nancy anymore because her husband got attacked. And since her husband got attacked, she's off limits in political criticism eight days before the midterm elections. Can you believe that? If you can believe anything about this story, you're a better man or woman than I am because I can't believe any of it. Not one bit of the official story as it's being told right now. Not until we see video. Not until somebody explains how he was he managed to evade all of the security precautions taken at a multi-million dollar mansion in a high crime city like San Francisco in a highly political figure like Nancy Pelosi being the homeowner. Knowing full well that she says she is being harassed and threatened with death threats all the time. That she would not have massive amounts of security around her home. Uh, once somebody explains to me how that guy evaded all of that, then got in there, then got into his underwear, at the same time that Paul Pelosi was in his underwear, when police came through a door opened by somebody from the inside that is still remaining unnamed, until we get an explanation an explanation for those things, you doggone right, I'm looking at this and thinking, it's Jesse, San Francisco style. False flag, not to say that there wasn't an incident, not to say that Paul Pelosi didn't get cracked in the head with a hammer. Not say he didn't have surgery, but circumstances being what they want us to believe that they are, not a chance. Not a chance. This is an attempt as a Hail Mary to stop Republicans from condemning Democrats, and especially Nancy Pelosi House candidates. No more condemning, no more criticizing, no more ridiculing, no more calling them out because Nancy's in mourning because her husband got attacked. And maybe they were looking, or the guy was looking for her. So Republicans, you and your evil, violent rhetoric that led to this, you have to be quiet now. For the next eight days, you close your mouth. You don't dare talk about Nancy Pelosi. Look what you started. That's the story they're going with. You buying it? 216 901 0945 888 It's 925. We'll take this time out. Don't forget Jim Jordan after the bottom of the hour. Right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and The Answer. Okay, 928, uh, let's get a phone call in. It's Jan in Cleveland before the bottom of the hour. Hi, Jan, go ahead. Uh, hi. Uh, apparently you didn't listen to the ABC News report because the gentleman that broke into uh, the, the, uh, the Pelosi household was at January 6th, and he also brought tape and ties, just like they did it in January 6th. That's I did see a- that. That's what ABC News is saying. They should have their license taken away. Yeah, one of the very first things that that they uh, said was, by the way, he went there armed with zip ties. Armed, they said. That's a weapon. Armed with zip ties, which, of course, draws the comparison to January 6th. But you know what else they didn't say, Jan and everybody? And thank you for the call, Jan, as we get to our newscast here. You know what else they they, they didn't? uh, You know what else uh, that would have been uh, comparable to? The attempted murder of Brett Kavanaugh. Because do you know what the uh, uh, attempted murderer had with him, in addition to his firearms, zip ties, which begged the question, was he going to tie up the rest of the Kavanaugh family? Was he going to ex- execute all of them? What were the zip ties for? Nobody mentioned, wow, 
Uh, the Paul Pelosi attacker had zip ties, just like the attacker who tried to kill Brett Kavanaugh. No, 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 no. They're saying it's, you know, there were zip ties at January 6th, too. So clearly, this Black Lives Matter, rainbow flag flying, cannabis using, nudist colony uh, um, individual, and I'm going to refrain from using any other language there, in... Um, I'm going to refrain from using that as well. I was going to describe San Francisco as what it is and what it's known for. But apparently, he's much more of a right-wing nut job uh, than he is a San Francisco Castro District living lunatic. And that's, of course, uh, that's of course their narrative because it has to be. We're going to talk to Jim Jordan about that, too, coming up right after the news. Welcome back to Always Right Radio on The Answer. Nine thirty-eight. Now we do continue on Always Right Radio. We'll come back to the uh, goofy Pelosi story. It is just that. It is. Um, it is a bizarre story, and uh, the way that it is being used and politicized right now is quite frankly disgusting. And I'm not talking about those who are doubting the official story, such as it is right now, about that quote-unquote break-in to their highly secured compound in San Francisco. But the idea that they were on the television talk shows yesterday on the left-wing network talk shows telling everybody to lay off Nancy Pelosi now. She's in mourning. She's fearful because her husband got attacked and they were looking for her. And you can't run any more attack ads against Nancy Pelosi. Can't run any more ads that say Tim Ryan voted with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer 100% of the time because, you see, Nancy's now a victim. Unbelievable that eight days before the actual midterm elections, this is the game that they're going to play. I'm told Jim Jordan is on the line now. He is our fourth congressional district representative, member of the, excuse me, the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. Happy Halloween to you, Mr. Jordan. How are you, sir? Glad you're back on Twitter. I saw that. That's, that's good to see. And now that we can hopefully have real debate and real free speech and, and, and no, quote, you know, Scaling back and censorship there. Great, great to have you back on. It's the only reason I came back. You're exactly right. I mean, I got so sick and tired. You know, I had 40,000 followers, yep. and I was reaching eight people. I knew I was being shadow banned, yep. and then yep. I'm getting the actual official suspensions, and it's just enough is enough. And so what do you think the political – I mean, you know, first of all, it's been fun – Oh, I know you do have a lot more to do than I do, so you, you probably aren't looking at Twitter all hours of the day. But since I went back on, I've been watching the panic, and I've been watching just the Democrats <laughs> crying and swimming in pools of tears about how their, their, their left-wing echo chamber has now been, you know, has been um, balanced, if you will, by Elon Musk. But what, what do you think the political impact of that will be, Congressman? Well, I think it's positive. I mean, look, and, and understand, we never, you and I don't want uh, Republicans, conservatives, people who believe in the First Amendment. We don't, we don't, want, uh, we don't want Elon Musk to, to scale back and, and, and throttle back the lefties. We just right. want a fair debate. Like, let's just let it happen. That, that we've always been for uh, a fair fight. So uh, that's fine. That's the way the First Amendment is supposed to work. That's where our system is supposed to work. So uh, that's what I'm hoping happens is we just get back to a fair fight the way maybe Twitter was when it started. Remember, remember I, I, Jack Dorsey five, six years ago said uh, he's the free speech wing of the of the free speech party or something like that. You, you know, uh, so th- th- that that's what was it was supposed to be. And obviously, over the last few years, it hasn't been that. So let's let's hope it gets back to that. 
Yeah, I hope so. Uh, and 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 I because you're right. That's the difference between us and them. We have never said we want to kick Twitter or a quick uh, kick a leftist off of Twitter. We want them to not be heard. We want to have the fight. We want to have the debate. Yeah, if, they want to, sure. if they want to say, "Here's our proof of climate change and man's involvement," and we want to be able to say, "Well, here's some re- re- refuting facts." They want us gone so they don't have to answer those facts. We want yep. them there because we trust ourselves in the debate, and that's a big, yeah. big difference. Well, we, we've said this many times. The, the, the left today doesn't believe in, in the – and the left controls the Democrat Party. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. The left doesn't believe in the First Amendment. They no. actually today – the left's position is if you don't agree with me, you're not allowed to talk. And if you try, we're going to call you names. We're going to call you racist. Joe Biden's going to say you're an extremist and a fascist, and we're going to attack you and your family, and your and cancel culture mob's going to come after you. That is baloney. That is not how our system works. We are supposed to have robust, fair, robust debate. That's what that's what we want on Twitter. That's what we want on all these social media platforms. That's what we want, just, just real, honest debate, and let's let the best arguments, best policy win. Absolutely right. So when, so the, back to the original question about that is the political impact of this in terms of racist, and maybe not this one because there's such a short period of time left, but if we are allowed to have the kind of robust debate without anybody being censored or suppressed because of their uh, you know dissenting opinions, do you think it will help Republicans? Because I, I think that's yes. why they're freaking out. Is it's really going to yes. help Republicans get messaging yes. out to people that they couldn't before? Well, because we're going to tell the truth. I mean, we got the truth. I mean, <laughs> what's the old line from uh, the uh, former Vice President Pence uh, used to used to say? He goes, "I'm a conservative, and I'm not mad about it. We're happy about it because we think we got the truth on our side. We want to present the truth. We think that will carry the day. As the truth always does. And in the end, we win the argument. We have better policies, and the country gets better." That, that, that's what we believe in. So, yeah, I think I think it'll be positive for conservatives and Republicans if we can simply have that fair debate. Congressman, I want to ask you about uh, some of the races here in the midterms, particularly in our state. Uh, J.D. Vance, according to the latest poll, which I saw, which was Saturday, the signal poll, it shows J.D. Vance 48-43, so that's plus five. The Real Clear Politics yeah. average which uh, has him at plus 2.1, all, also includes a plus 6.6 GOP underestimated poll number. So they've got him at plus 8.7, and that's based on their own history of polling that Republicans are either underrepresented in the surveys or they're simply not answering the questions because they, they don't want anybody to know how they're voting. So they got him up by pretty comfortable margins here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, J.D.'s going to win. Uh, now, uh, look, we all need to get out and vote. He doesn't win if people don't go vote. Uh, but I think if Republicans are motivated to vote. I've been sensing this across our state, across our district, frankly, around the country. And I think it's, I think there's a darn good chance that we win every single, uh, you know, toss-up con- uh, Senate race. I think we can, I think, I think Herschel can still win Georgia. I think he's going to. I think Ted Budd's colleague of mine is going to win North Carolina. Dr. Oz, Pennsylvania. J.D., Ohio. Ron Johnson, Wisconsin. I think Laxalt wins in Nevada, and Blake Master comes back and, and wins in, in Arizona. And we're in this race up in New Hampshire as well. So I, I think it looks really good for, for us because Republicans are so fed up with, with you know, what the left's done, what the Biden administration has done. They're fed up with the cancel culture mob, the left-wing attack on our liberty and all this, the weaponization of government against us. And then, of course, it's just the four big issues. No, we went from secure border to no built border. We went from $2 gas to $5 gas, and safe streets to record crime, and and stable prices to 41-year high inflation rate, and that's what's going to motivate people to come out and vote for a change. You know, those things should all be very obvious. Um, it, it just frustrates me to no end, though, and you probably saw it. It wasn't just a slip of the tongue because he didn't say it just on one stage, but on at least two stages and maybe th- a third that I didn't see the video of. But I saw different videos of Joe Biden in two different places last week saying that gas was over $5 a gallon <laughs> when he took office. 
<laughs> he's claiming yeah. that he has lowered gas from five dollars to three seventy five when the reality is it was two thirty nine he raised it to five and now it's back to three seventy five and still what uh, about, about buck, buck forty more than we were paying before yeah i I mean it's a sad situation for our country because I don't know that and it's a dangerous situation in many ways I don't know that anyone actually just you know, when Joe Biden says something, you're just like, what? It's, it's <clears throat> so often it's cringeworthy. But isn't it the media's job to correct that? Isn't it the media's job to say, sir, no, no, and, and to get out there and say, pants on fire, pants on fire, tell the people that the president is lying. I think I think people have gotten so well, comfortable with his dementia and his, his you know, uh, uh, mental de- deficiencies at various points in time. They've gotten so comfortable with it, they just laugh it off now rather than pointing out how terribly dishonest and dangerous it is. Yeah, but I mean, again, that's the old media, uh, you know, from from years and years and years ago. That today's mainstream media is they're, they're advocates for Democrats, and so of course they're not going to call him out. We we understand that, and the fact checkers are only there to quote fact check uh, conservatives, and um, you know that's just the state of of, of corporate media today. Uh, there's there, thank goodness we got folks like you who are actually presenting the truth and the facts to. To your listeners, but yeah, that, I mean that today's media—they're just—they're just, they're just a, uh, an extension of the Democrat Party. Yeah, and it, and it's unbelievable to me again, this close to the midterms, that they aren't calling out these things that are just blatant lies. Because as you point yeah. out, these are these are that 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 is among the four top issues you just mentioned from the you know the price of gallon of gas from two dollars to five dollars, and for him to lie about it, the media needs to call that out. Um, let me ask you about crime, because that's, all to me, also one of the top two, three, four issues. Um, and, yep. and I think it is, according to most polls for Americans. Democrats have taken in the last week or two to citing red states, that the, the crime spikes that we are seeing is happening in just as many, if not more, red states than blue states, which, of course, is is absurd because... You know, Chicago is just a haven for violent crime, and not that Chicago is a red state. Uh, you know, that, that, um, uh, you know, high crime rates, for example, let's say in, in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, and maybe in Toledo, Ohio, or in, uh, in Youngstown, Ohio, those crime rates in Ohio is a red state. Well, it clearly it must mean that it's the Republicans' fault that crime is high. But of course, you know, Law law enforcement is not practiced at the state level. It's at the city level. The the, the prosecutors, uh, the judges in the various counties, and so on and so yeah. forth. How how are they getting away with that? Well, I mean, for the, first of all, we don't want crime to go up anywhere. We don't want we don't want crime to happen. I mean, what what happened to to Paul Pelosi is as wrong as wrong gets, and we are we, we all Americans want him to. We, we don't want anything like that to happen to anybody. We want him. We, we're praying for his family. We want him to to recover and be fine. We're against crime, period. But let's be honest, what's happening in every major urban area, Philadelphia has seen record number of murders and violent crime. We've all seen, unfortunately, the terrible videos of what's happening in the New York subway, which is just like, what? How can that Who would do something that terrible? So that's the problem. And when you when you have some of these district attorneys in, in these areas um, in Philadelphia that, that are just letting bad guys on the street, here's something, Bob. When you let bad guys on the street, when you don't put criminals in jail, they're going to do more bad things. You know, that, that shouldn't take a genius to figure that out. But it seems to be the case for some of these district attorneys in places like Philadelphia, uh, where, where you're, you're seeing this, this dramatic increase in violent attacks.
Yeah, exactly. The point I'm trying to make, and I labored through it there a little bit, is that you know the violent crime spikes are disproportionately in big, giant, blue urban centers, not in quote-unquote right. red right. states. It's, it, this is done by the city, not by the state. Uh, yeah. It's important that people know that. So you mentioned Paul Pelosi. Um, I, of course, hope he is well and recovers fully. Yeah, um, I do not buy yeah. the story that I'm being told thus far. What I want you to react to, though, is the call on the talk shows for, and, the, and, and over the course of the last, and Twitter too, and over the course of the last 48 hours is you can't go after Nancy Pelosi anymore. How dare you, Republicans? Your rhetoric incited this right wing nut job, is what they're calling him. Uh, this ultra MAGA conspiracy theorist, anti government guy. Your rhetoric made this happen, so you've got to go easy and, and stop it. Attacking Nancy Pelosi for the next eight days before this election. How do you respond to that? We, uh, I mean, look. Uh, the, the bottom line is, we, we, what happened is terrible. Let's uh, let's hope Paul Pelosi recovers, and we're praying for him and his family. And 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 we don't want that to happen to anyone. Uh, but the vast, vast, vast majority of Americans can figure out uh, the difference between some some crazy guy doing a terrible thing and and the American political debate. But the left always plays this game. You know, when, when Justice Kavanaugh was attacked, it was, it was like, it was like two minute news. Uh, but if, if there's, if there's something that, 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 that's wrong that happens to, uh, a crime happens to, uh, 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 someone on the left, uh, someone the Democrats, then it's then it's two week news. You know, it's just, it's just again, it's the, the media because the media works for the Democrat party. Um, um, you know, look, the, the American people know, American people have common sense. They know what's going on. Uh, they know it was wrong and terrible, and they they want uh, the the best uh, the the best for uh, uh, Paul Pelosi, and they want a speedy recovery, um, and 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 we want to pray for their family. But um, the American people figured it out. Should Republicans stop mentioning Nancy Pelosi in their ads over the next eight days? Oh, I don't think that I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen, Bob. She's been you know she's been the leader of the Democrats now for for what 15 16 17 maybe since 2000 maybe 20 years almost uh so you know i, I think i don't think that's going to happen and again that's that's different that's policy debates and that's what she's done and she's let she supported she supports all this green new deal she supported all the spending that's given us the the, the issues we've talked about the concerns that are on americans minds so uh, yeah that's not gonna that's not going to happen but americans can make the distinction between something terrible that that a crime that happened and uh and pelosi's policies yeah, and we'll wait and see what the facts actually bear out about what that crime was and who that individual was, because there are a lot of questions in that story. Last question for you, Congressman Jordan. Um, Barack Obama is back on the trail. He is out stumping in Pennsylvania, he's in New York. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he's going today, but he's going to have this whirlwind tour of stumping for Democrat candidates as a Hail Mary. Uh, is it bizarre to you, or is it as bizarre to you as it appears to be to me that the current president isn't out there on the stump for all of these individuals and <laughs> well, they're sending a former uh, Democrat president? <laughs> no, I mean, would you want if you're a Democrat, would you want Joe Biden standing beside you? I mean, this is this is a guy hasn't done literally hasn't done one thing right. Hasn't I mean he's remember he stood in front of the Independence Hall called half the country extremists. Uh, he's the guy who's given us the, the completely open border because he reversed all the He's the guy, the guy who's given us the, the record inflation, record gas prices, um, the, 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 the foreign policy debacle that was the exit from Afghanistan. Uh, there's not a Democrat who would want him standing beside. So, yeah, you got to bring out Obama. That's all but they the, got. But they're so. running on his policies, though. You know, these, these individuals who want control of the Congress, they're running on the Biden. They're saying that what Biden has done with energy is right. What Biden has done on the borders, they're defending the Biden policies, yet they don't want to be seen next to the man. How strange is that? Well, but, well the other thing is, that, you know, what's he going to say? 
I mean, first he, you know, he said that he brought gas was at five dollars. So you know, he just says things that just absolutely are not accurate. So that they're probably nervous standing beside him. What what's the guy gonna say next? For goodness sake! And I'm eight days before an election. You know, I I don't I can't run the risk of him saying something crazier than he's already said. So they're they're just like now nah, pass on on that one. Um, and then frankly, maybe after last week, after you know Fetterman. The campaign decides to have the debate, and it was a complete mess for for them. Maybe it's like, oh, we're, we're better off just keeping our head down and not not risking anything like uh, like like that. What's better than the things that some of the things he said during that debate, or Biden coming to an event saying some of the crazy things he's likely to say? So I, I assume that's just a practical, maybe in many ways, a smart decision on some of these Democrats' parts. Yeah, I think it is too, and I hope I hope Americans see that. If there are any centrists left out there, if there are any undecided voters, any moderates who are just leaning one way or the other, not one hundred percent sure yet, I hope they consider that the fact that the Democrats that are running on the Biden platform don't want to be seen near Biden. Maybe that's because the platform itself is shaky. Maybe that's because the entire thing is bad for this country, and they can't be, you know they can't afford to be seen with the guy at this point in time, and they have to try to pull yeah. the wool over people's eyes. So I hope centrist Americans or moderate American voters realize that. Congressman yeah. Jim Jordan, thank. Thank you so much for the time. What are your plans for the for the next eight days until the election? Are you going to be out on the stump for we're in, we're in wonderful. Yeah, we're out in Delphi, Ohio, right now in the, in the very western part of our district, and then uh, we're going to be up in Ashland tomorrow and different different areas. We're all across the district this week, uh, which is well. What, what I always like to do the last week is obviously you know spend time in in, in the, the, the district. You hope you get the privilege of representing and and talking to the good folks of the Ohio Sports District is what we'll be doing all week long. Well, I, I want to remind everybody of that. You know, sometimes I even forget to mention that Jim Jordan is up for re-election here, too. Your district loves you, uh, and I don't think there's a whole lot of a threat there, so I really don't mention it very often. But uh, but uh, you do have an election, and you do need, you need to win again. We need you in well, charge of that Judiciary Committee come uh, come next year. Well, your your listeners love you, Bob, and it's, it's uh, always nice to be on with you. We'll look forward to getting on next Monday before the day before election. That's right. We'll bring it home. Thank you, Congressman. Right. Appreciate it. Right. Thank you. There's Jim Thank Jordan you. on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, yeah, his district is as safe as safe can be. It doesn't matter how they draw those lines because he is uh, beloved uh, in his district and the surrounding area. So, uh, Jim Jordan, great stuff there. We'll take a time out. Uh, don't forget, we got a packed show today. Steve Cortez coming up a little bit later on. Jolene Austin running in uh, Parma for the State House. Uh, we're going to talk abortion and uh, uh, preborn rights with Molly Smith in the 11 o'clock hour. Stay here on AM 1420, The Answer. In the old Dracula movies starring Bella Lugosi, all you had to do was show the cross and the vampire would slink away. Well, we still have that cross. Only this time that cross represents the truth. We have truth on our side. Truth, common sense, and the belief in what's right. Use the truth to win those arguments. And stay tuned to this station to find out what's real, what's true, and who's telling the lies. That's why we exist. AM 1420, The Answer. And Odyssey. Okay, coming up on the top of the hour, don't forget, after the top of the hour, we're going to talk more midterms with Steve Cortez. He is uh, fighting very hard for 
uh, conservative Republican candidates all up and down the aisle. We'll get his thoughts on the Paul Pelosi story as well. Listen, I'm, I want to be clear about that, too. And Jim Jordan has to be very very careful what he says, too. There are a lot of accusations and a lot of things going around about what happened in the Pelosi home. And you don't want to be caught saying this happened because now you're, you're looking at a defamation or a slander suit. But there are questions about what happened. Real questions. The early reports indicate something a little bit more complex than home invasion, regular old home invasion and attack on a homeowner. Um, considering the location, considering the security, considering the individual, considering the strange occurrences that seem to happen around Paul Pelosi when Nancy's not around, uh, there's just a lot of questions here that have to be answered about that. And I will talk to Steve Cortez about that, and I will welcome your thoughts, too. 216-901-0945. To me, I think it's more than just coincidental that this strange thing happened just about eight, nine days before the midterm elections in which uh, the American people are going to decide whether they want Nancy Pelosi to continue to be their speaker. Uh, they don't. Spoiler alert, they don't. And now they're calling for an end to the criticism of Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats because, well, she was violated by way of her husband, who may or may not have been violated in any any other way. All right, 10 o'clock, news time now. We'll come back and talk to Cortez on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward we roll into hour number two, eight minutes past 10 o'clock on this Monday, the 31st and final morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. I forgot to start the show with your daily reminder that... Ain't but two genders, two genders, ain't nothing but men and women. I start every show with that, and I I just came back to Twitter Friday night after four nearly four years of being away... Because I was tired of being shadow banned and censored and blocked and all the other crap that they put conservatives through. Now that Elon has taken over, I came back on Friday night and I, uh, by, by Saturday morning I had 5,000 followers and that is still a far climb that I've got to make to get back to where I was before. But I gotta tell you, I'm starting every day with a tweet of Pastor Mark Robinson in North Carolina reminding everybody that ain't but two genders. And I'm just gonna stick with that. I want everybody to know the reality of the situation. I, Hugh Hewitt this morning had JD Vance on. We had JD on last week. He, uh, did a tremendous job. Did JD and Hugh. It was a great interview. Great conversation all the way around. JD's hitting a stride. Plus five in the latest signal poll, 4843. Plus 8.1 in the latest real clear politics average because, though, they give the uh, 6.6 bump to GOP candidates because in Ohio, the, um, uh, traditional underrepresentation of Republicans in the surveys. So is J.D. Vance going to cruise to victory? Not if every single person who supports him doesn't get out to vote. That I can promise you, and I'm sure that'll be the message of our next guest, too. Joining us, Steve Cortez, former Trump advisor, American nationalist, voice of the deplorables, born for a storm. I like reading uh, Substack profiles. That's Steve Cortez back with us here on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, Steve, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm great, Bob, and, and welcome back to Twitter. I barely survived. I have been put in the Twitter jailhouse four different times, and I'm told that the fifth, you're done, you know, for good. So hopefully with new management there, uh, you know, I will survive. But, but glad to have you on that platform. And more importantly, glad to have this opportunity for Ohioans, for Americans uh, broadly, to make uh, an important pivot on November 8th. And 
just put it mildly. Like, we need to reverse course massively uh, because things are going terribly in this country. And I think that in terms of correcting that, J.D. Vance is going to be an absolutely instrumental force, not just for Ohio, but for the entire country in reclaiming our republic. I'm excited to come there tomorrow for his town hall. It's not quite a debate, but it is a town hall where he and Tim Ryan will be in the same room on the same program for Fox News. And really looking forward to that and, and encourage everybody to please tune in 6 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Absolutely right. By the way, back on the Twitter front, I've been following you, and I'm so glad that you are going to make the cut here, it looks like. Uh, and yeah. uh, you, You're a great follow. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of levity, along with the seriousness. So I, um, I'm glad to have you there. And if you wouldn't mind, when you're done with the show, maybe throw me a quick follow. I would love that as well. Um, of course. To the, to the J.D. part, you wrote a piece on your Substack that I read. It was, uh, it's about two weeks ago. Uh, J.D. Vance delivers political KO to Tim Ryan, talking about uh, probably that second debate is was the most important one. I thought he was good in the first debate. I thought he was great in the second debate. You think that this is, uh, let me rephrase, do you think, Steve Cortez, that J.D. Vance is on his way to a comfortable victory? You know, I do, but I get nervous when you said comfortable, right? So somebody who comes in the world of... I use that for a reason, right? though, because that's what I'm looking for. Seriously, yeah. No, I don't want it to be a narrow world. victory. I want it to be a comfortable victory, and that means we've got to be out in yeah. force. Go ahead. Yeah. So, no, listen, I mean, here's what I'm saying. I, you know, I like our position, right? I certainly would not trade our position with the other side. Right? I, the Tim Ryan folks, if they're being honest, don't like their position right now. So uh, the polling, the momentum, the trends are certainly in our favor. However, we will take nothing for granted. Um, and number one, J.D. Vance just isn't that kind of person, right? It's not who he is in life. It's the reason that he was able to rise up from a really troubled and challenging childhood, a childhood with a lot of dysfunction, a lot of poverty, a lot of problems. The reason he was able to rise from that with help from a lot of others, help certainly from the U.S. Marine Corps, uh, but he was able to rise from that you know, because of his grit. So he's not the kind of candidate, uh, not the kind of person uh, who's going to rest on his balls and say, we look like we're up, we're fine. Um, so we're going to absolutely sprint through the finish line, and I think you know, a big part of that is tomorrow night. I'm really excited that in most of these races, so I'm involved in some other gubernatorial and Senate races across the country, and in the other ones, the debates, the forums are basically done. They're, you know, they're done for this, this last eight days, you know, nine days. But uh, thankfully, we have one more in Ohio, and I, I think that's great. You know, literally one week out, we've got this forum quasi-debate uh, mm-hmm. tomorrow night on Fox News, and I think that for the people of Ohio, the great citizens of the Buckeye State, J.D. is going to show them you know, how much he wants to earn their support uh, and that he's taking nothing for granted. But again, having said that, yes, I'm absolutely happy and, uh, and pleased so far with the trajectory of the race, and I think things look bullish and optimistic for J.D., more importantly, for the citizens of Ohio, for the people of America. Steve, I want you to give a message to um, the less than fully committed uh, Van supporters. What I mean by this, uh, last Saturday, or actually two Saturdays ago now, so about a week and a half ago, we did uh, um, a Battlegrounds uh, Talkers Tour event, and I, I asked everybody in the room from the stage to raise their hands if they supported J.D. Vance in the primaries when there was a big field there, and about half of them went up. And then I said, what about now? And they all went up. Then I said, but how many of you know people who are not here right now, who are still unconvinced about J.D. Vance, and every hand went up again. There are a lot of people who just aren't sure that he's the big, staunch conservative that they want. And and my response to that has been, you know what, you may not get the staunchest conservative in the history of the world, because that person might not be in Ohio, but guess what? He is by far, a far, far, far more um, conservative candidate and a a better person for for the people of Ohio than Tim Ryan is. What message do you have for those who might be like, I might leave that blank? Yeah, listen, I understand that sentiment because, thankfully, you had an incredibly competitive primary in Ohio. And I really mean that. I mean, thank 
candidates with solid ideas who had a lot of financing uh, financing behind them. Okay, so it was a very competitive primary. Not surprising that there are still sort of lingering doubts. But as far as this doubt, I mean, I, what I do want to push back uh, strongly against if I can or try to persuade people strongly about it is the idea that J.D. isn't solidly conservative. I think some of that comes from the fact that he was Trump skeptical in the early days, and a lot of solid conservatives were, by the way. Um, I happen to be one of them, even though I worked for Trump in 2016 and 2020, way back in 2015. You can find some tape of me saying things that were really skeptical of Donald Trump again. Same here. So Same I, here. Okay, so I, I'm a convert. I welcome converts. Um, I want to believe in a movement that believes in persuading people, that believes in winning people over. So I think a lot of that, if, if there is sort of a lingering doubt about J.D., I think a lot of it emanates from that aspect of it, right, that he was Trump skeptical in the early days. Uh, Trump, through policy, won him over very quickly. And I guess what I would uh, what I would suggest to those folks who, who might still have some doubts, who are, are going to vote for J.D., but maybe they don't love voting for him, um, or people who are on the fence about whether or not they come out and, and cast that ballot, I would say this. Donald Trump has enthusiastically endorsed J.D. Vance. I see Cortez uh, have, have enthusiastically supported him the entire time. Believe me, from both his public pronouncements about policy as well as my private conversations with him, this is a thoroughly conservative man. And not just that, he's a conservative man who is going to become a warrior in Washington, D.C. I'm convinced of that. I will only help and support candidates who I believe are going to go to Washington and not be part of the middle party, uh, not join the Washington establishment, but truly go there to be political disruptors. And I certainly see that in J.D. Vance. And part of why I believe that is not just that I know him, but even for those who don't know him, you know, think about this aspect. This is a, a guy who, you know, really had life by the tail in many ways, right? Hollywood loved him because of his book and his successful movie. He was welcomed in the circles of big tech. Uh, he gave all of that away, right? He's now reviled by those people and by those uh, institutions of, of big tech and Hollywood because of the fact that he's running a very conservative, very patriotic populist campaign in the state of Ohio. Uh, he gave that up. And you don't do that unless you're fully committed. You know, in other words, this isn't about J.D. Vance. It's not about his own self-advertisement. It's about something much bigger than him. And he, and he is a warrior for a movement. So uh, I would suggest respectfully, I understand the hesitation, but I would respect. Uh, I would suggest respectfully to the people of Ohio, especially those who might still not be fully engaged, uh, believe me, yeah, th th this guy is going to be your senator and he's going to be your fighter in Washington, D.C. And, uh, and he goes there with both the grit. Here's what I really love about J.D. I think he combines a blue-collar grit because of his background and because of his hard scrabble upbringing with a very sophisticated intellectual grasp of policy um, and, and, the, and the, the challenges facing this country. And that's pretty rare. You don't find that in very many candidates. I found it in J.D. Vance, and I sure hope and believe that the people of Ohio are finding it as well. So very well said. We're talking with former Trump advisor Steve Cortez. Uh, yeah, you know, when when the primaries were going on, I, th I thought there were more conservative guys than J.D. in the race. One of them was Mike Gibbons. Mike Gibbons is a converter. Mike, or is, has been converted, rather. He he is holding a huge fundraiser for J.D. Vance in his home, or maybe he already held it. I knew that it was coming up soon. So so you have people who used to run against him who are absolutely in his corner now. They believe he is every bit as conservative as you just described. And I think it's going to be, quite frankly, an upgrade 
over the current uh, U.S. senator sitting in that spot. I mean, I don't want to disparage Rob Portman, but, you know, he has been that, that more rhino, milquetoast kind of Republican. I want a conservative warrior, as you described in that seat, and I think J.D. can be that. Now, having said all of that with the J.D. Uh, uh, side of things, there are a lot of other just as important races in order to get that majority into the Republican side. Dr. Oz and Fetterman, Ron Johnson in Wisconsin, Blake Masters in Arizona. How are you feeling about Herschel down in Georgia? How are you feeling about the entirety of the Senate races? Yeah, listen, when I look at the Senate on the whole, I really, I'm very optimistic. Now, these races are close, and again, we can't take any of our granted, just as we're not taking uh, Ohio for granted. But some of these states where things look like they're roughly tied, at least according to you know, good polling, there's not very much good polling out there, but the good polling that's there, uh, groups like Trafalgar, for example, um, if we are pretty close to tie, given the inability and the difficulty in polling the deplorables, you know, sort of our hardcore people, that tells me that we're probably going to win all of those races, quite frankly. And when I look at these, when I go state by state, and I've done a couple of these rundowns online, post them on my social media, I really believe we're going to end up at 54, 46. So I think we hold the current Republican seats, Ohio, of course, being one of them. Um, I think J.D. wins. I do think Oz wins in Pennsylvania. So we hold the sort of in-play currently Republican seats. And then I see four flips ahead. And those are Georgia, um, New Hampshire. That's one that's going to surprise a lot of people. But I really believe Don Bullock is going to win that over Maggie Hassan. And then out west, I think we flip both Arizona and Nevada. And, um, mm-hmm. and you know, I give all in my social media, again, I could go into some detail on this, of you know, why and the polling reasons why um, that I believe that we're at the specific candidate reasons why we're going to flip all four of those seats. But I really believe, and I would, I'd wager some dough on this, quite frankly, I think we're going to flip all four of those. And if that's the case, that's a 54-46 U.S. Senate. And not just that we have the numbers, but I think this is also super important. You know, again, that we have fighters, that we have people like G.D. Vance, uh, you know, Bob, who are not going there to just sort of get along. I mean, when you're talking about those candidates, for example, uh, three of the four of those states, I mentioned Georgia, New Hampshire, Nevada, and Arizona, three of the four have never been involved in politics. Uh, in Nevada, uh, Laxalt has been, but the other three outsiders, like J.D. Vance, haven't run for office, haven't been involved in politics, come from great success in other areas of life, in sports, in the military, in business, uh, as is the case with J.D. Vance, of course. And I really believe that these are the kinds of people that are the next wave of the America First movement. And to me, it's really exciting. It's really invigorating. These are not your typical politicos. These are not people like Tim Ryan, who has never worked outside of politics in his adult life. Never. He immediately graduated college. He immediately got into politics, was an operative, uh, and then was a, was a representative. And by the way, a terrible representative. This district has lost 50,000 jobs in the time that he has been in office. Uh, but these kinds of candidates I'm talking about are the opposite of that, right? They are not political. They're not political animals. They're outsiders. They're successful in significant areas of American life. And they have decided because of a patriotic call to begin this second career, or in some cases, maybe even third career, uh, to get into politics. And, and I really believe that they're going to win. Now, again, everyone has to hustle to the finish line. And I implore the audience out there, please vote for J.D. Vance. But also, please use your influence to help these other candidates because we can help people all over the country. If you know people in those states, if you're capable of donating, um, if you can amplify their messages on social media, you know, everyone has a role to play here. Everyone has a platform. You know, Bob, you've got a big platform, but everyone has some platform, right, to to, right. Uh, to yep. make sure that we have a red wave here. And, uh, and not just red meaning, oh, I just have an R after my name, but I'm sort of milk toast. No, real America first fighters. 
Absolutely right. We're talking to former Trump advisor Steve Cortez on AM 1420, The Answer this morning. Last question, Steve. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the Paul Pelosi situation, not because of Paul, but because of Nancy, because uh, the left-wing talkers on TV yesterday were, uh, first of all, you know, they are, including Joe Biden, they are blaming uh, the Republican rhetoric for this apparently anti-government conspiracy theorist, right-wing, ultra-maga Trump guy, is how they're describing uh, David DePape or DePape or whatever his name is. That's how they're describing him, and as such, they're saying that Nancy Pelosi should be off the table for the remainder of this uh, election cycle. Nobody should be criticizing Nancy Pelosi, comparing Tim Ryan voting for with Pelosi 100% of the time and all of the other things that we see going on, because, you know, she's in mourning now and her family has been attacked, and, and it's just too dangerous. You haven't tweeted as much about this bizarre situation out there as many have, so let me ask you, what, are you, what is your response to that? Yeah, uh, well, but first of all, no, Nancy Pelosi is absolutely on the table, right? She is the most powerful legislative officer in America. Uh, her agenda has inflicted enormous pain, particularly economic pain, on the American people. So we are not going to take a break from that uh, days before the election. That is clear. Now, regarding Paul Pelosi, first of all, my heart goes out to him. He obviously was seriously physically hurt. And so as a human being, I empathize. Okay? I hope he heals quickly. Regarding this situation, I think there is very little truth that we know, okay? That's the reality. Now, I'm not going to jump to conjecture and say, well, we know X, Y, Z happened. No, the point is we know very, very little. And one thing we have learned in recent years is we do not believe, particularly from corporate media, the initial first report and the official narrative as presented by corporate media. And the official narrative in this case is incredibly fishy, and it makes very, very little sense. So, again, I don't want to jump to places of conjecture. I don't know what happened. I have suspicions, I think, like everybody else, but one thing I'm damn sure about is we don't really know the truth here. And the way to know the truth, by the way, and this actually relates back to these elections, one way to know the truth is to get full subpoena power to get, for example, body cam footage, assuming that the cops had their body cam on, any other video footage that we have. All of this should be revealed. All of this should be transparent. And here's why there's a public interest. It's not just that we want to be gossipy and that, you know, sort of a gotcha or a tabloid uh, you know, uh, thirst. It's that this is the person who's third in line of the president. And if her home was truly that insecure, then that's a national security issue, okay? And so we have a right and a duty to know about that. So I would suggest to the new Congress, uh, I would suggest to J.D. Vance, if and when he wins uh, for the Senate, that you have an obligation actually to look into this, right? Because she's, again, she's third in line of the presidency. If her home, if the official narrative is actually correct and her home is that insecure, well, we need to look into this. And if, if there's a more tawdry truth out there, which I suspect there is, uh, we also need to get to the bottom of that. You know, these are public figures. Uh, they don't have a, a right to total privacy. And when you call the police to your home at 2 a.m., uh, guess what? Well, the public suddenly has an interest in what's going on there because officers are, are stepping into a potentially dangerous situation. And that's just how things operate. So uh, a lot that we don't know, I'm, I'm anxious to find it out. And the new Congress could be part of that. Do you have any faith whatsoever that the cameras are going to be available or the film is going to be available any more than the jailhouse film was when uh, Epstein didn't hang himself? No, I'm not confident, quite honestly. But again, this is where a Congress, you know, a new Congress that we will elect, I hope, uh, you know, in a week and a day, and that we will see in January to get aggressive and say, guess what? We're demanding it. We have subpoena power, right? Yeah, we oh, no, will it be voluntarily turned over the way it should be, the way it is in a transparent country? We would already have it, right? We already see it. Is that going to happen? No, I don't think Steve, so. Steve, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's, I don't think uh, voluntarily or otherwise. I think it's going to be bleach bit. It's going to be, it's well, going to be destroyed. Be, it's yeah, going, it you may know? already be gone, right? Yeah. It may 
Exactly. That's because the kind of country we live in from what right the now. police reported that they found when that door was open, and we still don't know who opened the door to let them in. Because they're saying originally there were three people. Now they're saying the clarification is there are two. That means either DePape or, or uh, Pelosi opened the door for them. Uh, so they open right. the door. They see two men in their underwear struggling over a hammer. Uh, you think they're going to let that video get out ever, uh, voluntarily or otherwise? I, I guarantee it's already wiped. Well, hope springs eternal. We got to try. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve Cortez, you're right. We will keep hoping. I, de- I definitely hope, and I have a belief that JD Vance is going to win Ohio. I'm glad you're going to be there with him tomorrow at that town hall, and I'm glad you're supporting him and all of these other important Republican candidates in these massive uh, Senate races. Steve Cortez, thank you so much for your time and all you're doing. You bet. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Steve Cortez joining us on AM 1420. The answer, former Trump advisor. He's a straight shooter. I love that about him. It's 1026. We'll be back. and have more conservative voices in it rather than just rhino voices in it. Jolene, thank you so much. Best of luck in these last eight days. Thank you so much, and happy Halloween. And to you as well. Thank you. That's Jolene Austin. She's from Parma. If you're in District 14, support her. Vote for her. Uh, and tell other people to do the same. I want conservative. Same thing I said about the Senate race in the uh, uh, replacing Rob Portman. I said I want a conservative senator, not just a Republican one. Well, in the state house, I want conservative state representatives and conservative state senators, not just Republican ones, because they are not always one in the same. 1050. We'll take a quick time out. We'll come back. I got time for some calls here before the top of the hour and our next guest. So uh, dial it up now. 216-901-0945. Always right radio right back. For life. Now, why is he good friends with one of the most liberal people? I don't understand exactly. that this stuff makes any sense at all. Exactly. Paul Pelosi wouldn't be a friend of, uh, you know, and by the way, right-wingers don't usually live in Berkeley. Right-wingers don't usually live in homes that have uh, gay pride flags and Black Lives Matter signs outside, uh, you know, hanging on the property. Uh, right-wingers don't usually do that. You know, the idea that this is some sort of MAGA who, who, who was invited into the Pelosi house is just, uh, it, it's, it's a bridge too far, man, and I'm not buying it. And he's, he's a Canadian, too. You don't have no right-wingers up there. Oh, know? Lordy. An illegal Canadian, they said. An illegal yeah, the story, the story is so bizarre, and I, in the, just like everything else, I truly believe we will never get the real story, and people yeah. will, will, will stop talking about it after the election. Happy Thank Halloween, you. Bob. Thank <laughs> you, TJ. Happy Halloween to you, too, my friend. All right, it's uh, 10.59. We'll take a time out here for news at the top of the hour. On the other side, we have not talked with Molly Smith, the president of Cleveland Right to Life, since the Dobbs decision, since Roe versus Wade was overturned, and its political impact is enormous. We're going to talk to her about it next, right here on AM, AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. You and I know 
and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway now at nine minutes past 11 o'clock. Good morning once again. I told you we were packed. Great conversations about a, a variety of things this morning. Jim Jordan talking to us about the midterms. Jim Jordan talking to us about the impact of Elon Musk taking over Twitter and helping to restore free speech to the online public square. That was huge. We spoke with Steve Cortez, who's in town and in the state. Uh, huge, huge town hall event coming up in J- with uh, J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan. Not debating, but in the same room. And yes, they will address each other. He gave you all the reasons why J.D. Vance is going to win and why you need to make that happen here in Ohio. Jolene Austin is running for the Ohio State House. Uh, she is in Parma, and uh, she laid out a very, very strong case for her conservative credentials rather than rhino credentials in the uh, General Assembly. So we need to support her. And now, this is the first time that I have talked to Molly Smith since the Dobbs decision. Really, even since the leak of the uh, draft opinion uh, on Dobbs and, uh, of course, uh, the uh, resulting overturning of Roe versus Wade by the Supreme Court. Molly, of course, is. You hear her on her commercials uh, and promotions here on these airwaves. In fact, just in the last break, the president of the Cleveland Right to Life organization. Molly, so good to talk to you. It's been far too long. How are you this morning? I am doing fine, Bob, and thank you so much for all you do to, to maintain freedom in, in America. Uh, it, it, your, your impact is huge, so thank you for that. Very nice of you to say, and I hope that's the case. I'm trying very, very hard, and I know so many people. I don't know anybody who tries as hard as you and your staff and your board at Cleveland Right to Life. It's so, so big. Um, we could talk, as you do uh, on, on your program all the time for hours, uh, about uh, the impact of this, but can you... Can you tell me what you felt um, a couple of months back when we finally got the official word, not just the draft opinion that was leaked, but the official word uh, on the Dobbs ruling and the, uh, the resulting overturn? What did you feel like after all of these years, 50 years since Roe actually was, uh, uh, was, was approved by the Supreme Court, 50 years since that decision, and you've been fighting for almost all of them? How did you feel when you finally heard the news? I literally broke down in tears, Bob. I was so overwhelmed. You know, even as people were asking me once once the, 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 the leak had come out, they said, do you really think this is true? And I said, you know, I have learned over the years, you know, trust but verify. We've got to verify that this is exactly what's happened. And when I got that news and I got a call from a very high-ranking official in Ohio who said, it's, uh, tell me, it's true. It's actually happened. We, it has been overturned. Literally, Tears of joy. My children started calling me. Everybody started calling me. My husband was sitting beside me. And I mean, I was just sobbing. It was like, I cannot believe that this has happened. 
And it has, and it's by the grace of God. I really believe it's by the grace of God, it's by good justices on the court. You know, we've fought hard to, to, to put some very good justices in the Supreme Court. And uh, it, it all comes down to, at the end of the day, how you vote is how you're going to live. So we better, we better darn well vote well. <laughs> In the no, yeah, that that is that yeah. is very well said. Um, you know, Molly, you and many others are a lot uh, more professional than I. Uh, you don't get in, engage in name calling very much. Um, I do. I, I I call the Democrat Party the party of death. Uh, I don't believe in there's just such a thing as pro choice. You're either pro life or the opposite of pro life, and the opposite of life is death. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not choice. So I call them the party of death. Um, they have really, really rallied since that day. When you broke down in tears of joy, they broke down with tears of rage that preborn children were going to be protected and that uh, the mothers of these children weren't going to be able to access what they like to call health care, but which is the destruction of the baby. And they've rallied. And a lot of people believe that what is expected to be a massive red tsunami uh, in these midterm elections, maybe less so because of Roe, because of this overturn, because they are so livid and so furious and so desperate to pre- protect the right to use abortion as a method of birth control, because that's literally what so many of them do. Um, they've rallied. Um, and I, I think it has had an impact in the polls, maybe a little bit more so a month ago than right now. It seems to be that more people are focusing on inflation and other things in our in our in our uh, list of issues here. But still, abortion is the one that they're rallying around in their TV commercials. They're rallying around online on Twitter and so on and so forth. Is that women's rights, abortion rights, are the most important thing for them? Do you think, or rather, how much do you think that will impact people's votes uh, on the eighth? You know, I think, Bob, and this again, it's, it's unscientific, but there's some of, some of the polls, some of the information coming out right now is actually um, verifying it. I think they overplayed their hand um, in, in pushing the extreme of abortion. I think the um, Nancy Pelosi's ranting and raving and um, uh, who's the, who's the, Warren out on the East Coast, you know, screaming that she's going to be, you know, we have to, we have to have abortion, we have to have abortion with our freedom and all the rest of it. And then you saw videos of these um, really almost demented and, and demonic groups of women screaming out that we love killing our babies and carrying pro-life signs, pro-abortion signs. I think that over, I think people are actually a little, even the pro-choices are a little embarrassed by the reaction to what has happened. And I think that is probably more to the point that it's pulled them back to the fact that abortion is no longer the number one issue. I think it's the number two. The last I looked at, at a fairly, uh, a fairly liberal um, poll, um, it's dropped down to like 16% of, of people are saying that the abortion issue is going to be something that, they, that impacts them. So I think the, obviously the, the craziness within the economy, the, the inflation rate, the, you know, the gas going out, of, I think all of that has, has certainly popped up and taken over. But I think the, that the, um, the Democrat Party, and I agree with you, it is a party of death. Um, the Democrat Party did not see that coming, and they've made a major mistake. I mean, when I see J.D. Vance's, you know, even, even three weeks ago, it, it was sort of like a toss-up. More and more and more, it's no longer there. It's, it's getting to the point where J.D. Vance is probably going to win. 
Um, so you look at those types of things in, in a, a brand new um, a candidate coming in against a seasoned um, somebody who was very well respected in the Democrat Party, Tim Ryan. But I think this is he's dropping. So you'll see that this abortion issue is has has certainly while it while it it is a very important issue, and for me, it's the number one issue. But I think they've overplayed their hand in this. We're talking to Molly. Uh, I'm sorry, I thought you were finishing there. Uh, we're talking. We're talking no, to Molly Smith. Okay, she's the president of Cleveland Right to Life, and I and I hope they have overplayed their hand there. Um, I, I agree with that. Let's uh, let's be Ohio specific now, Molly. Um, obviously, the you know the the left did their very level best trying to make you think that overturning Roe versus Wade just flat out made abortion illegal all across this country, and of course, it did not. It simply reverted to the states to make their own decisions, let the people through the representation decide what they want to do. And in Ohio, we got our, which had already been passed, uh, our six-week, uh, or excuse me, not the six-week, the heartbeat bill, which is now the heartbeat law. And I, I want to talk about that that aspect of it, because one of the things that the left has done here is tried to politicize and weaponize the condition of the, the 10-year-old girl that we all heard about. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> while I, of course, have deep sympathy for and and feel terrible for the little girl for what she suffered, um, the idea that this was what they tried to make it out to be is simply repugnant. Um, she was raped, apparently, by a family member, which means this is a case of incest. And now they want to make it seem like this is the norm, and that uh, that, that outlawing abortion, or even in Ohio, outlawing it after the heartbeat can be detected, uh, is going to force all of these these incest, incest, incestual rape victims to carry their rapist babies. Uh, when rape uh, results in, I think, less than 1% of, of abortions, pregnancies and abortions, incest even less. But they used her and said, you know, they found out that she was pregnant one day after six weeks. And then they said that that was a violation of Ohio's six weeks law, or a six weeks law, so that's why she had to go to another state to get her abortion. Well, it's not a six week law. It never has been. It's a heartbeat bill, heartbeat law. It just happens to be that the heartbeat is usually detectable around six six weeks. So I'm just reminding everybody about what happened there, Molly, as I ask you, how did you respond to that story that they tried to use to to appeal uh, you know, to people's emotions? Because it's a terrible thought that a 10-year-old girl was raped. It's a terrible thought to think that a 10-year-old girl was pregnant. It's a terrible thought to think that a 10-year-old girl should have to have a baby. And it's a terrible thought that a 10-year-old girl would have to uh, go, undergo an abortion. All of those things added together, they, they really used her as a... Uh, a political uh, tool there, and I wanted to know how you responded to it. You know, the the, the interesting thing is, is that that, that mm. all of uh, I say absolutely agree with everything you've said about the you know the horror of something like that taking place. Yeah. The 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 heartbeat law is when a heart when the heartbeat is detected and it and it is actually quite well before the six weeks. So you you know the heartbeat starts getting you can detect the heartbeat within about three weeks. So most times the heart is really beating before the woman even knows she's um, she's pregnant, which is which pretty well puts the thing abortion makes abortion illegal, um, which is a wonderful thing from from everybody's perspective. And the whole the whole focus of the heartbeat bill there, uh, there is absolutely and you know when when um, Governor Dewine signed it into into law, um, he was asked the question by a by a reporter. So what about rape and incest? And he said, you know, the, the, the focus of the heartbeat bill is to protect 
both the mother and the child. So the, the protecting the child, we will do all in our power to help that child as well as to protect the mother. So there, that, that idea that she would have died because she would have been forced to give an, have an abortion for a little, you know, a 10-year-old who wasn't ready to be pregnant and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. There is already, and as uh, Attorney General Dave Yost said several times, there is provisions in the heartbeat law to, to take care of that exact situation. There is no way that this little girl would have been left on her own to, to die under, the, under giving birth to a child. And, you know, this is, this is where the, the evil of the discussion goes. When, when the other side takes on the idea that they, they, they will say anything, anything, in order to tell any lie, in order to keep abortion legal mm. up till the moment of birth. That's their stand. And folks, if you don't believe me, go look at, just look at what, they, what they're promoting and what they have promoted in, in blue states. Well, if it's it's possible to go further than that, Molly, you you should probably should. Um, In some cases, some of them have argued even after the moment of birth, meaning if it's a botched abortion and the child survives, the child is put on a tray and left to lay there dying while the mother and the the quote-unquote mother and the doctor discuss whether or not the child should be given life-saving care as it lay there on that tray. So the the, the ghoulishness of this, it, it goes even further than up to the moment. It, it absolutely does. You're so right, Bob, because this is, this is the thing. Is we, this is not about women's health care. This is about, and I'm sorry, folks, if, you take, if, they, if your listeners take offense, this is literally what that woman was standing on the side of the, of the corner of the road screaming. We love killing our babies. This is about ending the life of a child. This is a human life, and with, no matter how you look at it, you are ending the life of a child. So this there is so many other ways to, to, to deal with unplanned pregnancies, pregnancies in crisis, all of that stuff. It's all there. We have it in place. It's available to everybody. No woman will be forced to keep her child if she doesn't, you know, the child. There are two lives we are protecting here, the child and the mother. We are, and the pro-life movement has been fierce in that. We've always protected both. So, you know, to say that, and how many children, I mean, I, I, my my uh, my little vignette this year, this week is all about the fact that women are being encouraged to, t- to have abortions by themselves without any medical uh, professionals around them whatsoever. Do you know how many women are going to die from that type of procedures or be seriously seriously injured from taking abortion pills? I mean, that's not caring about women. That's absolutely not caring about women. And it's about time we negate these lies and just say, here's what it's about. On the one side, it's about killing children. The other side, it's about saving mothers and children. I'm so glad to hear you point all of those things out, Molly, because, you know, I see commercials like the ones against Madison Seattle Gilbert claiming that she is so extreme on the abortion issue. She is pro-life even in the case of rape and incest, and even, they said, in the case of the life of the mother. She said that the, and I think there's a quote in that commercial that says that Madison says that the mother should die rather than let her have the abortion if her life is in danger. I have never heard of anything so egregious. I've never heard Madison or Seattle or anybody else say that either, so I'm so glad to hear you and other people in the Right to Life movement say that is not the case. The mother's life is, is always paramount. Yeah. No, absolutely not. There are two lives. You do everything to, to save both, 
and in the instance that you, you do the best you can, and that is, it's, go read our, our, our literature, go look at what it's about. And she never, I mean, I don't, I mean, I think she's totally uh, uh, told them that they're lying when they say something like that. There is no way we, we say that mother's life comes over the top, you know, that the, the child's life is more important than the mother's. It, absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's an, an egregious lie. It is, and and it's one of the things that makes people hate politics and hate campaign ads because, again, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what she can do to unring the bell that they're ringing saying that she said that. I mean, she could deny it, but uh, is she going to deny it to the same audience that sees that spot that runs on TV every time? No, she can't. They're not yeah. all going to find out that she never said such things. But it's so important yeah. that people understand we who are in the pro-life movement are not saying that mothers should die or mothers should be put in jeopardy or any of the other things or that little children should be forced to give birth when they're children themselves after rape and incest and all these other things. There are, uh, particularly here in the, in the state of Ohio, they tried to really demonize those who supported uh, the heartbeat law and, uh, and say that. Yeah. And, you know, and, and Molly, if, if I may, last thing here, super quick. If a child is, is put into such a horrific uh, situation in which they are raped and there is a chance and a possibility that they could have become impregnated, for goodness sakes, I'm pretty sure they should be testing for that the day, the day after, the next day after that, and, and long before six weeks comes up and, oh, we just tested and found out that she's pregnant and now she can't have the abortion. The way they tried to sell that story. There are so many different ways to protect the, the victims in cases like that if people just used common sense, but they won't do it. Agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this is something we've really got to be able to, to, to push and, 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 and get the word out with, uh, on programs like yours, Bob. Praise God for the fact that you could do this. So God bless well, you. We will do our best. You guys work uh, nonstop uh, in support of life, and God bless you for that, Molly. Thank you for coming on. Keep up your great work, and, and let's stay in touch, okay? Absolutely. Thank you. God Thank bless. You. That's Molly Thank Smith, uh, Cleveland Right to Life president. Extremely important work that she and all of her volunteers and board members are doing, and I'm proud to be associated with them in any way that I can. It's 1126, right back on Always Right Radio. Summer cat looking over. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight for my monster from his slab began to rise and suddenly to my surprise yes happy halloween indeed from all of us here at always right radio on am 1420 the answer uh if the kids are heading out to trick or treat treat tonight make sure that they are safe if they were a lot you know i wish i had had a chance to do this I was going to say if they were allowed to wear their Halloween costumes to school today, which we used to be able to do in, you know, grade school, uh, primary grades, I I wonder if they were allowed to and if they were allowed to wear their masks. Um, Nicole Sapphire is a physician and one of the uh, doctors who works with Fox News. She tweeted last week on like Thursday, I want to say, that a note came home from the school saying your children are welcome to wear their Halloween costumes to school on Halloween. However, they should not wear masks because that those interrupt the learning process. <laughs> yes, if you are, if you are, if you're not laughing at that or at least slapping your forehead at the irony that the schools who demanded that our children cover three-quarters of their face with those ridiculous, useless, ineffective COVID masks are telling them they can't wear masks on Halloween because they disrupt the learning process, uh, then really you gotta you got to start paying closer attention. 
So happy Halloween to uh, all the families and all the kids. Have a great time tonight. Be safe. And we'll be back after the news on Always Right Radio. In North Olmstead. When the government is so bad, you just have to laugh. <laughs> Always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Onward now, 35 minutes past the hour, gives me about nine minutes left in the hour uh, before we hand it over to Bill O and let him take you to the top of the hour, Uh, as we always do. Then some Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk is all over this Pelosi story as well. Charlie Kirk is good. Listen, I'm just going to, a couple of quick things here. No one is homophobic for questioning, wondering, just trying to process why Paul Pelosi and a strange man were both in their underwear at 2 o'clock in the morning when the police came. If it was a home invasion, explain the underwear. Now, maybe Paul Pelosi was awakened in the middle of the night and he happened to sleep in his underwear. That's okay. Go ahead. But why is the invader in his underwear? Trending on Twitter right now are all kinds of hashtags indicating that things may be a little bit more complex than home intruder looking to attack Nancy Pelosi, screaming, where's Nancy, where's Nancy, goes in and starts beating Paul Pelosi with a hammer. Uh, Might be more complex than that, given the underwear scenario. Kind of thinking if somebody either comes into a home in his underwear He's not there probably to, you know, commit an assault. He's there for another reason. If he goes in fully clothed and strips down to his underwear, probably not there for an assault. Might be there for another reason, one that just is a little bit um, unusually sorted, perhaps. It does not make one a homophobe to ask these questions. It should make one reasonable and responsible to say, how on earth does a man get past the massive layers of Pelosi compound security to get into his house, into their house. And then why and how is he in his underwear? And why are he and Paul Pelosi struggling over a hammer when the police come in? And then lastly, how did the police get in? This story is so important, not because of the sordid details about whether or not Paul Pelosi had a gay lover in his home while Nancy Pelosi is out of state and in D.C. It is so much different than that. This, the, you know, the circumstances are weird. They're sordid. They're a little bit, you know, tabloidy. I get all of that. But it's such a big deal because they're literally now trying to use this to hurt Republican candidates eight days before an election. They're saying this is what MAGA Republicanism gets you. These are just like the January 6th stories. You know, on January 6th, some of those who went into the Capitol screamed, Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? And clearly, this guy went in screaming, Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? He's just like the January 6th people, if not one of them. Some of them in January, on January 6th had zip ties. This guy had zip ties. Clearly, he's a radical right-wing extremist there to zip tie and kill Nancy and Paul Pelosi, right? And all of this is intended to do what? 
to harm the reputation of conservative Republicans who are in very tight races all across this country. Harm them. Make it seem like they are out to harm Nancy Pelosi. Make it seem like they are the ones out there victimizing through violent rhetoric the uh, the poor, defenseless, 82-year-old Nancy Pelosi and her 82-year-old husband. I think that's what their ages are. Generate some sympathy points. Generate some uh, some sadness for the Democrats. Don't let them. I, I wasn't going to play this, but maybe I should. There was a, a conversation between Tom Emmer, who was a U.S. House candidate in, uh, uh, in uh, Minnesota, who was on, I believe it was CBS. Yeah, CBS has faced the nation yesterday. And the anchor at Face the Nation decided to blame Republicans for what happened in that house and tried to put Tom Emmer on the defense saying, you know, you guys should stop talking about Nancy Pelosi. After all, look what she just suffered because you guys always talk about Nancy Pelosi, right? All right, I want Paul to speak now. Let's see if we can make Paul, or I mean, uh, not Paul, Tom Emmer speak here. I never saw anyone after Steve Scalise was shot by a I'm Bernie Sanders right supporter now, trying to equate, equate Democrat now. rhetoric with those actions. Please don't do that. that no, okay, looking at your candidates, Republican candidates have spent more than $116 million on ads that mention Speaker Pelosi by name in this cycle. If this is about the issues, why should make it about the issues? Why not depersonalize it? Do you hear what she's doing there on CBS? If it's about the issues, make it about the issues. Why not depersonalize it? She is the speaker. She speaks on the issues. She drums up votes for and tries to get legislation on the issues passed. She is literally the third most powerful person in the world. She's third line to the presidency. She is the issues. And now this, this woman is starting to say, why don't you stop talking about Speaker Pelosi? Because look what people do when you speak about Speaker Pelosi. Tom Emmer was having none of it, to his credit. It is absolutely about the issues. It's about the fact that we have double-digit inflation, you don't exploding think- exploding cost of living. We've got a crime wave across this country that is In the direct moment, result. we are eight the days result. out. Don't you think this needs to change? Why not Again. pull some of these ads? Why not just delete your well, tweet? Sure, Did you hear that? She's literally saying, pull the ads. Republicans, you should surrender the elections. Surrender the elections. Don't run any more ads that are critical of Democrats or their leaders in Congress. Don't run anything else that's critical of Nancy Pelosi, you see, because Paul Pelosi, her husband, was in his underwear with a strange man at 2 o'clock in the morning fighting over a hammer when a police officer walked in. So therefore, surrender the election, sir. Have you no decency? How dare you? How dare you continue to run? How dare Republicans continue to run ads featuring Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, the leader of Congress, when her husband has been attacked in his underwear by a guy in his underwear? I mean, what's wrong with you? I'm sure people like to talk about anything but what the Democrats have done in this country, which, quite frankly, is exploding cost of living, a crime wave in our major cities that is the result of this defund the police nonsense and cashless bail. I mean, you look at New York City, where you put someone in jail at 9 p.m. for uh, assaulting someone on the street, and they're back out on the street at 9 a.m. committing crimes again. You look at my uh, uh, state of Minnesota, Minneapolis has 6,000 assaults since the beginning of the year, Margaret. Mm-hmm. Those are the issues that are top of mind for every voter in this country. Yeah. That's why they're going to show up in on the uh, on November 8th, mm-hmm. and that's why Republicans are going to win in the midterms. Tremendous job by Tom I wish, I wish I could vote for him up in Minnesota. 
But as I am a conservative Republican, I don't cheat in an election, so I won't try to get an absentee ballot and claim I live in Minnesota. But Tom Emmer did a great job there uh, in uh, in uh, uh, taking apart Margaret Brennan on CBS. But now you understand. Now you understand exactly the kind of thing that we're up against. It's why the Paul Pelosi story, as salacious as it is, as sordid as, as, as it is, it matters. Not because of the salaciousness, not because of the prospect of him being in a in a strange romantic twist, possibly, versus the other eye of the other side, which could be just a strange radical right wing home invader getting past all the security and somehow uh, uh, getting into a into a, into that house to get into his underwear. Regardless of how you feel about it, it matters because they're using it to try to stop Republicans from campaigning, stop them from running ads, stop them from campaigning, stop them from criticizing Nancy Pelosi. Don't you understand? This is getting dangerous. Uh, don't you understand how this has to change? Depersonalize it. Take Nancy's name out of it. Really? How about we take Nancy's name out of it when Joe Biden and every Democrat in the country takes Trump's name out of their criticism of the Republican Party? How about we take their name out, her name out of it, when they stop saying MAGA Republican, Trump Republican, and so forth, trying to use Donald Trump as a, as a, uh, you know, as a dagger against, rather than a hammer, against the Republicans? How about we agree to do something like that? No? Don't want to do that? You want to continue to tie Republicans to Donald, to Donald Trump, who's no longer the president? Okay. And then we're going to talk about the reality of what Nancy Pelosi means to the Democrats. And by the way, if the only two people who were in that house were Paul Pelosi and uh, David DePape, who opened the door for the cops? Cops didn't break it down. They said the door was open for them and they came in. Who opened the door? Who's the third person? Where is that person? And where is the video? Questions that need to be answered. Questions that won't be. Because Democrats are masters at the cover-up. But questions that need to be answered, and my answer is Republicans keep the foot on the gas all the way through November 8th. Destroy them. Finish them. Thanks, everyone, for a great conversation today. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Let's go, Brandon.